Welcome into episode 81 of the Gump Runners podcast. Chase Thornton, Lester Mitchell, Jeremy Law. We're back. Sorry, I know, I know it's been a while. Uh, a lot of stuff going on. The start of Major League Spring Training. Um, that's the big story right now. Uh, so we're going to talk a little little Major League Baseball Spring Training action. Uh, nah, just kidding. little premature April Fool's joke there. Alabama basketball, guys. I talk about for years, just win 20 in the regular season, win 20 in the regular season, go 20 and 10, 20 and 11, and I'll be happy. What does Alabama do? Nate Oates brings in a great recruiting class, hauls off 29 wins, 16 and two in conference, winning the regular season SEC championship, which we all agree is the hardest one to win because you have to grind over an entire SEC conference slate and then what do they do? They turn around as as they did in 2020 and double up and win the SEC tournament as well um, without even a game being decided by less than double digits. So Alabama grabs the number one overall seed in the NCAA tournament. Jayla, did you ever think you'd hear any, any Alabama fans say those words, the number one overall seed in the NCAA tournament and affiliated with the University of Alabama. How crazy has this season been for the Tide? Yeah, no chance. I mean, you going back to just really bad memories. Now, like, I guess my only year was in fourth grade when we were really good with Mo Williams and Irwin Dudley and those guys, I believe. But, um, I mean, like, to be to not even just be a one seed, never thought I would hear that, but to get the number one overall seed in the entire tournament, man, what a testament to what Nate Oates has done, what a testament to the talent he's brought in, what a testament to Charlie Henry who's gone, uh, Coach Pitt, I mean, uh, Brian, uh, Hodgson, man. It's an elite recruiting staff, and – I think they took the next took the next step as a staff this year because nobody's winning with bad players. I mean, look at Bruce Pearl this year. They were a 500 SEC team with average talent. You're not going to win in college basketball with average talent, but you still have to be able to coach ball. Look at Arkansas this year. Dude, they landed like three guys in the top ten of all the recruiting services, and they're like a nine seed rolling into this tournament. So I think the staff took a next step to say, all right, yeah, we've gotten talent. Now we need to coach our ass off. And I think that's what you saw from Nate Oates to block out all the noise. Whatever you think about the noise, I'm not going to say it's – I'm just saying it's a testament to be able to do what they've done with all the stuff that's been going on. And, yeah, they they slumped a little bit while it was going on. But, dude, they played maybe their best ball all year. They won every game in the SEC tournament by double digits. That doesn't happen unless you're Kentucky. I mean, with Anthony Davis and John Wall and those guys. So, man, what a freaking run that they went on. And hopefully when you win six more, you're cutting down the nets. I don't know what the future holds for this team over the next three weeks. But, dude, um, just 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 take it all in and be appreciative no matter how far they go in the tournament because what we're seeing is going to be really hard to duplicate. Yeah, and, and Lester, the, the Brandon Miller situation – it gets released to the public. Everybody's condemning him. Uh, he's not a finalist originally for the John Wooden Award, um, the the top 15 players in, in college basketball. He has left off of that list. Clay Travis is bashing him. Uh, and then you, you really just dig into the facts. He didn't know. He wasn't aware of the situation. He was on his way to pick up Darius Miles anyway. And then just so happened, but right before he pulled up 
Miles had texted him to to come get his gun. And uh, Miles reaches in the back seat. Miller never handed it to him. And then Miller gets caught up in all this stuff. Him and Jaden Bradley, they've been fully cooperative. They've turned over Brandon Miller's dash cam. I mean, this kid's got nothing to hide. Nothing has been sketchy about this situation when you really break it down and look at facts. But with the nation condemning him, all he does is win SEC Player of the Year, SEC Freshman of the Year, SEC Tournament MVP. Talk about the testament it's been to Brandon Miller and how he's been able to handle all of this adversity. Because, I mean, you know, there's all types of adversity. This is huge for a 19, 20-year-old kid. I think he's a little bit older for his age. He might be 20 years old or whatever. But for somebody that young, first year in college, first year away from home, and you've got to handle all this. And I know he's not by himself. He's got, you know, emotional support from his teammates, coaches, family back home or whatever. But to be going through all of this and still be able to focus on not just playing basketball, but playing basketball at a high level. When all eyes are on you, every single team that you play against, you're their number one option defensively to, to try to guard and try to shut down. And for him to come out and, and, and win the SEC Player of the Year, Freshman of the Year, and SEC Tournament MVP – Talk about how how spectacular that is for that young man to be able to accomplish that with all the adversity that he's faced from from national media. This isn't a local story. This blew up uh, across the whole country. He's been getting bashed from here all the way to Washington State. So talk about how how tremendous it's been been and how composed this kid has had to be through all of this adversity. Yeah, man, that that that's that's huge. Um, like I said, this isn't just a local story. This is a you know nationwide story. From from the idiot fan bases on Twitter, um, threatening you, calling you out, dragging your name through the mud. From the fans chanting "lock you up" and saying that you're guilty. You know, Killer Miller and all this stuff. And from the New York Times writing about you. I mean, credit to that guy, his mental resolve, and also like you mentioned, his team and his family surrounding him, supporting him. Cause man, that that I, I I couldn't imagine that. Then especially at that age, I mean, you're still growing up, learning who, who you are as a, as a as a as a young man, as a growing into a man, being who you are. That's huge, and for him to continue to perform, it's amazing. And in this situation, you know, him performing, you know, is kind of on the back burner. You know, his mental health, how he's doing, how he's feeling is the main thing here. But, man, he's put all that aside. He is still dominating on the court. Credit to that young man, um, his family, his upbringing, his innocence, and to Alabama, you know, the team, um, Oates, staff, you know, Great Burn, administrator, everybody standing behind this guy. I'm, I'm really, really glad that they did that because, you know, when all the facts came out, you know, that's who needed the most was him, you know. So credit to him for staying in it and leading this team for sure. That's that's massive. JLo, on the last podcast that we did, I know it was a while back, but we talked about the team outside of Brandon Miller and who has had the biggest impact so far. Now that the regular season and the tournament, the SEC, the conference tournament has completed, uh, talk about what you saw from – not you don't want to say the role players because they're, they're, everybody's a huge part of this 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 team, um, but guys like Mark Sears, what you've seen from him, uh, Noah Clowney down the stretch, and Javon Quinterly, how, how he stepped up in the tournament. I mean, Bridgestone Arena is his home away from home. I mean, that guy's 
his uh he he made a case himself for tournament MVP. Uh, if Brandon Miller was not on the team, it it, it had definitely been him. Uh, and, and you know, of course, in 2020, he was the, the tournament MVP. So talk about what he's been able to do down the stretch, but also what you've seen out of Mark Sears with his struggles from beyond the arc and and, and Noah Clowney to that regard as well. Yeah, I mean, it, I just hats off to JQ. I know he was on our short list last year. Um, kind of started off on it this year on the same stretch with the amount of turnovers. I mean, his turnover to, to points to minutes ratio was, I mean, outside of that North Carolina game for the first month and a half of the year was, you know, it was, it was really bad. And Mark Sears was lighting it up. But, man, uh, Mark Sears, uh, down, down the stretch of this season, man, he hadn't helped us very much. And uh, But other guys have stepped up. JQ, Noah Clowney hit a midseason slump, and then he's really come back on and found his role He's, I feel like he's much more inside out now than he tried to be. Tried to be a lot of outside in early in the year. And Coach Oates just said, hey, look, if you're wide open, shoot it. If not, man, let's get another dribble in the paint. And if the lane's there, take it. If not, let's kick out and hit it for uh, shoot a three. So, but I really do think that right now, I mean, if JQ was still coming off the bench, I mean, Charles Bediaco is playing as your second best starter right beside Brandon Miller. I mean, I thought, I really thought in this tournament that Charles Bediaco would have a chance to be tournament MVP. I mean, do teams just were not scoring in the paint? And Alabama is one seed and all, dude. They ended up playing, I mean, they, they beat them, what, a Florida, Mississippi State team, whatever. That's whatever. But, dude, they catch a Missouri that finished with 24 wins. They catch, Texas A&M, who just beat him a couple weeks before that, and Charles Bediaco cut off everything inside. So, man, tip of the cap to Chuck, who's still just a sophomore. JQ, getting back to where he was two years ago. But Alabama's got to, I believe, if Mark Sears is going to continue to shoot the ball as poorly, not play as poorly, but shoot the ball as poorly as he has, they're going to have to limit his minutes. I know we talked about you know, how they pulled him in the final eight minutes. Nate Oates does that based off plus minus. But, dude, Alabama was, what were they, like plus 20 points over A&M in the final eight minutes of that game on Sunday without Mark Sears on the floor. And I know you're not always going to get nine from Rylan Griffin. That was a little bit of a surprise. But without Mark Sears on the floor, that offense started to click. And when they see three balls drop, I mean, that's contagious. So, there's a lot of guys around him. The bench is very, very good. But with Chuck, JQ, and Brandon Miller playing the way that they are, surrounded by quality minutes in the paint from Noah Clowney. I mean, their guard play, Jaden Bradley, really hasn't been great, but he's been pretty good. Um, it it kind of got us back excited for the tournament because going into the SEC tournament, we are like, well, we've lost like three out of the last eight games we've played. It hadn't been great. But after the SEC tournament, I think the team's hitting their stride, and I think it's because of those big three guys, Chuck, JQ, and Brandon Miller. Lester, when you have this much depth on the team, and I think that's one thing that has really helped Alabama through the the, the grind uh, of the of a full season of college basketball, much less an SEC conference slate, <clears throat> the, the depth that Alabama has shown – You've got depth, and then you've got Alabama depth. I mean, they've got 11 guys that can contribute, and Nate Oates was quoted yesterday about, uh, you know, Dominic Welch and and, and um, sorry, hang on, Damari Burnett, um, how their minutes, 
they didn't get a lot of minutes in the SEC tournament, especially in the last two games. And he said they hadn't done anything wrong. It's just really hard to get 11 guys to play substantial minutes. You only have 40 that you can separate. And, and, and But the, the thing is with Alabama, what you see with this team is there's no – there's no hard feelings, I guess. There's no, well, I should be getting minutes over this guy. There's no attitudes. And, and usually you get that. When, when you have a team that has a lot of depth, you get some some upset players, parents, whatever the case is, saying that, you know, so-and-so should be playing more. And, of course, you know, as fans, we're always going to do that. But for the team, you know, guys like Noah Gurley, to come to Coach O's and say, look, you know, I'm, I'm willing to – to decrease my minutes, whatever you got to do, getting it Pringles some more, whatever the case is. But Dominate Welch, Namari Burnett, Ryland Griffin, they've all been practicing well, but there's no animosity towards other teammates uh, Whenever when it, when it comes to minutes played and, and who's actually on the floor and, and the rotations that Nate Oates has been going with. Talk about how, how important that is when you have a team – and you know, I it's you understand it like in high school because you kind of grow up with the guys more than you know more, more than likely or more times than not you grow up with the guys that you're playing with and you get to know each other and and so there's no animosity there. But in college, it's different, you know, because these guys are trying to get to the next level. They're trying to get to the NBA, whether you're a freshman or a senior, it doesn't matter. And, and so, so talk about how how important that is amongst this Alabama team that since they have so much depth, how important it is that there's no, there's no animosity towards each other over who's, who's playing what minutes. And it's just, you know, Hey, next man up. And then let's just get the job done. I don't care if I play or not. I just want to ring. Right. That's massive. Um, you can go beyond calling them a team and call them a family. You know, once you put that selfishness, the jealousy, the I should be doing this, I, I should be playing more. Once you put that aside and everybody on your team and set puts that aside, then you come together and you can get laser focused on achieving the team goals that the team set out at the beginning of the year. With all that aside, nothing else is going to come in between doing what the team has to do, doing what them as an, as an individual has to do to make the team better. And it's been so cool to see stories like that, you know, along the, as the year has progressed of, hey, coach, this guy's got the hot hand. Hey, coach, you know, put this guy in. I got a good feeling about him. You know, it's been good to see that and to see it continue, you know. And going back to your point, you know, this provides a great opportunity for Burnett to be that lockdown guy for you. It provides the opportunity for Don Wilt when he comes off the bench, hey, he's got fresh legs. You know, I hope those two guys become big X factors, big contributors, you know, going into the tournament. Jayla, there's tons of scoring on this on this team. If I was to tell you preseason that out, out of Alabama's whatever, 34 games that they play, including the SEC tournament, that in 24 out of 34, they're going to score – over 75 points. What would have been your reaction? We, I mean, of course, you know, on paper, you're, you're always confident about the roster that you have. And But as we know, as Alabama fans, that doesn't always translate. I thought last year we had a very good roster. You know, Keon Ellis, Q, you had a bunch of guys coming back from that 2020 team. And there was a lot of promise there. 
Jaden Shackelford, and it just never materialized. So just because you have a good roster on paper, you have no idea how the team's going to mess. You have no idea who's going into a slump when and how long it's going to be for. And not that last year was a letdown, but uh, it it, kind of was when you talk about winning two SEC championships in three years. So the scoring capability of this Alabama team, everybody knows about the run and gun now, but the three-point shooting has been phenomenal um, over the whole season as a team. Talk, I mean, if I was to tell you that Alabama's going to score over 75 points in 24 out of 34 games, what would have been your reaction there? Would you have been incredibly surprised, or would you have been like, ah, this is kind of expected from this team? Yeah, my, my response would have been, dang, Brandon Miller, Jaden Bradley, and I was putting a lot of stock in the Namari Burnett must be really freaking good. That would have been my reaction because I didn't – looking at just what they had coming back and what they lost, I mean, you really weren't ex- – not that you weren't excited about this team, but Alabama put a lot of stock in this recruiting class. And my God, dude, it, I mean, a lot of times it doesn't work out in basketball. Like look last year with JD Davison. I mean, the guy's playing heavy minutes for in the NBA each and every night, but it just did not click for him on the college level as far as what Alabama needed. So for them to put the stock in the recruiting class, get the minutes they have, JQ play better. Um, outside of that, I would have told you that you're crazy because number one, last year they didn't shoot very well at all. And number two, they did not play good enough defense to force mistakes and to get a lot of points off turnovers. That's one of the best things, guys, that this team does is force we that we make a lot of mistakes on offense too, as fast as we play, but we force turnovers, we score in transition, and we wear teams out on the defensive end. We were holding teams to well under their average in the SEC tournament and just making it really difficult for them to get up good shots. And when teams are just trying so hard on offense and you're just bullying them on defense and then you come down on the other end, man, you can take advantage of momentum very quickly. And that's what Alabama's done so much this year. Yeah, And listen, they're not even really shooting a three-ball well this year. I know they started off the year hot and SEC play, but I think they're sitting at like 149 or 150 on three-point percentage. So, I mean, they're still not shooting it great, but they're they're squishing teams with defense and they're getting the running gun in transition. And even when they've been slow, man, they have scored a lot of points in the paint, whether it's JQ, whether it's Chuck or anybody just attacking the bucket and getting it done at the rim. I just think it it's not how – it's not, it's not that they're – we're surprised that they're scoring 75, but it's really about how – good they have been inside of the paint and the evolution of Charles Bediaco and how it's much more inside out this year with the drive and kick than it was last year with Shaq and JQ just firing up and firing up threes early in possession. So I think that's what's made this year so much fun. It's just a fun style of basketball to watch. Yeah, and it's it's like Alabama has has won in more ways than one this year. Last year, I think it was more live and die by the three. Uh, twenty twenty is is a is a good comparison for this team because twenty twenty didn't have the three point shooters that this team does, but the the effort on the defensive side of the ball. Alabama, you've seen them win games, low scoring games where they couldn't get the three to fall, and uh, you know you win games sixty six to sixty three, something like that. You've seen games where. They run and gun and shoot 55, 60% from two and uh, and only shoot whatever, 25, 30% from deep and still win the game easily um, because of the, the help on the defensive end as well. 
And then, of course, you know, you've seen the barrage of the games with the barrage of three pointers where you make 40, 45 percent as a team and then you beat somebody by 30, 40 points. Uh, and, and then also, you know, I, I look at the Auburn game both times. Auburn was right there with Alabama, and then the depth was just overwhelming for them because Auburn's only running seven, maybe eight guys throughout the whole game. And so the last seven, eight minutes of the game, they're just gas. Katie Johnson, Wendell Green, they've got nothing left in the tank, and Alabama still has fresh legs because you're able to rotate nine, 10, 11 guys throughout the course of the game. And, and and then, of course, you know, Nate Oates doing what he does best, which is the last seven, eight minutes, I'm going to go with whoever has the best plus minus in the game. That's my best matchup. That's what I'm going to go with. You're going to stay on the floor, and they're fresh. And uh, and and that's that's another way that Alabama has won games this year. So there's, there's three or four different ways that Alabama has won basketball games this year, and that's so nice to see. Um and, and it's such a relief that you don't have to be live and die by the three because I think last year really was. I mean, if Alabama shoots 33, 34% or better as a team last year, you, you were losing. I'm talking about the opponent. Alabama was going to win. Uh, it doesn't matter what you did on defense. It doesn't matter how many times you turn it over. And I think this year it's different. And uh, and, it, and it's a relief. And I think that's, that's really what helped them become the number one overall seed. Lester, getting into the tournament, Alabama draws Texas A&M Corpus Christi, I guess. I don't really know. Um, one versus 16, the only 16 seed ever to upset a number one seed was, what was the team, J-Law? USNBC or something like that? MSNBC? Yeah, didn't they beat Virginia? They beat Virginia. Who was the number one overall seed? Yeah. But, uh, so. <laughs> yeah, Virginia plays just such a slow style of play. You're more likely to get upset whenever you're really slowing the game down, in my opinion, because if you don't hit shots in your half-court offense and you get down, it's very hard to play from behind that way when, when, you're, when you're taking 30 seconds per possession. But, anyway, heading into the tournament, Lester, Alabama, like we've talked about, number one overall seed, realistically you know it's it's to me it's still hard it's still hard to look at this and be like Alabama can win the national championship which is insane and I know we talked about it early season I don't know how many people were half serious I don't know how many people actually really truly believed it but now the tournament's starting you look at the the matchups that Alabama could potentially have with Arizona, Maryland, or West Virginia, whatever. It's possible, Lester. And, you know, you 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 call this every year, and I, I admitted on the last podcast that you were finally right. If you do something every year, if you say something every year, eventually you're going to be right. Lester, how confident are you that Alabama could, could run the table and, and win the damn thing? Ugh, I am very confident that they can do it based on everything that you guys have said leading up to this spot, leading up to this moment right here. I mean, coming back from behind, winning, putting teams away, winning, you know, little injuries here and there, still winning. You know what I mean? This team throughout this season has had its ups, its downs, it's been through adversity. I don't care how many freshmen you have on the floor. You know, Chase has said this before. At this point in the season, you're not a freshman anymore. You know, so you have that compiled on top of, you know, the things that they've been through as a team together this year. 
we have finally this team right here is experienced. There's there's been a couple of games and a couple of moments in the games this season where this team they've looked like freshmen, you know, like very small spurts here and there. But all that, hey, it's 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 out the window now. This team is good. They they are experienced. All the numbers are telling us that this team has what it takes to win a national title. And I have nothing to do but put my faith and oath and this team to get it done. You know, I think those five off days from the end of the regular season to the SC tournament did wonders for this team, whether it was rest, film study, putting shots up, whatever it was, they look like a completely different team in Nashville. And now, you know, a little bit of rest again. They're geared up. They are primed to go out and start the bid for winning a national title. I, I believe they can do it based on not just the talent, not just the coaching, but what they have been through. They've been through the fire. They are battle-tested. There's nothing that's going to happen in the tournament that they have not faced in the in their you know pre-SEC gauntlet, during True. the SEC gauntlet. You know, the tournament, all of it, they got it. They're ready for it, you know, and they just have to do it. Now, it's basketball, you know, just as soon as Alabama can throw up 100 on somebody, somebody else can come up come out on fire and do the same to us. You know what I'm saying? But all things level, all things equal, this team has what it takes to get it done. Yeah, and, and I think, I think Lester, the, the schedule that Nate Oates put together was huge because I know Master, North Carolina did yeah, they didn't make the tournament, but they were the preseason number one team. You go on the road, you beat Houston, you play Gonzaga in the BJCC, you lose that game, give up a hundred points. Um, who else was it that we that we play? I mean, you know, had the number one toughest schedule in the country this year, and I think that's exactly goes to your point right there, Lester. We played in the big arenas, we played in hostile environments, we played in front of big crowds. There, there should be nothing that that Alabama sees in this tournament that they haven't faced already. You know what's crazy about that? The crazy part is, is going forward, it's at most going to be, what, 50-50 fans? You know what I'm saying? NATO's isn't going to be in a huddle. The team isn't going to be a huddle. They can't think straight because, you know, top, what, Tennessee's Arena, what, Thompson Bowling or whatever, you got all those fans screaming in your ear. It is not going to be like that. At all, and I, I have confidence in this fan base, you know, especially the first two games here in Birmingham. If they continue, they're going to Louisville, Kentucky, and if they continue from there, you know, on the Houston, I have confidence in the Bama fans all over the country that they're going to travel to support this team. Alabama will have a, an advantage in the crowds. I'm hoping that. So you know, it's it's not going to be you know ninety to ten percent anymore. It's not going to be like that for the rest of the year. And I think, once again, that's going to play an advantage to the team. Yeah, I think that they're going to have an Auburn-like crowd like they had in, what, 2019, um, whatever year that was. No, like Auburn fans traveled for for those. 8,000? No, I'm saying they traveled for those (laughs) tournament games, man. Like, even the Final Four, like, they had so many more fans there than Virginia did. I think that's what it's going to be like for Alabama. Not that we're – thinking this is once-in-a-lifetime thing, but, I mean, it kind of is if Alabama does make it to the Final Four because it's the first time it's ever happened. So I think, man, the proximity to Birmingham and then the going next, you don't only have to go to Kentucky, which is 
you know, what Louisville, Kentucky is five and a half hours from Huntsville, maybe, or maybe even less. So, like, you're not getting far from home. And it's kind of funny, like, in our bracket, like, with the Arizona and Baylor, like, there there really isn't anybody else that's – you're not – you don't have Kentucky or Kansas or any Duke, North Carolina. Like, none of those basketball blue bloods are there. Like, Alabama's going to be traveling, and they're going to just run into a bunch of kind of mid-fan bases outside of Arizona. And Arizona is a hell of a long way from Louisville, Kentucky. So, I mean, like, it's – I think Alabama's going to have a, a large crowd, a big crowd. And honestly, looking at it, dude, I'd probably say 40% Bama, 60% rest of the field. I mean, like that's kind of how confident I would be. It's like Bama's going to win it, 40% chance, or then just give 60% chance to anybody else. That's kind of how good I feel about Alabama going into this. Wow. What 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 makes you what, – what does Alabama have to do – in order just to boost that confidence, because I, I'm going to say to our listeners here, what I told y'all in our group message the other night, the two stats that I bank on for Alabama are three point percentage and turnovers. Now everybody's like, well, of course, if you shoot the three wheel and don't turn it over, you win, dumbass. Well, yeah, but Alabama's volume volume is, as a team is so high in those two areas because you're number one in the country in possessions per game and you're up there in three point attempts per game now I mean if Alabama shot 12 to 15 three-pointers a game and they were middle of the road possession wise in a game then I would you know I I wouldn't be banking on these stats but Alabama has so many possessions per game and so many three-point attempts that those are the two stats I look at and you look at their losses you know UConn they shot 36%, but they had 21 turnovers. Gonzaga shot 32% from deep, 21 turnovers. Tennessee was 38%, 19 turnovers. Um, A&M, 19% and 18 turnovers. And then, of course, Oklahoma, they shot 27%, but uh, but only turned it over 13 times. So my my big stat, if Alabama can shoot 33% as a team from deep, and then turn it over 17 times or less, they cannot lose. You will not lose. If you if you can shoot 33% as a team and turn it over 17 times or less. Now, 17 is still a lot of turnovers, but when you're getting that many – when you're having that many possessions per game, it's really not. Once you look at it as, you know, turnovers per possession, that's <clears throat> really not a huge number for Alabama with their volume in that regard. Um, <clears throat> from the SEC tournament against Mississippi State, they shot 35% from deep with only seven turnovers versus Missouri. They shot 30% with 17 turnovers and A&M, 33% from deep with 13 turnovers. Boom, boom, boom. Three double-digit plus win or three double-digit wins. And uh, <clears throat> you shoot the ball well and take care of the ball well in some regard, as well as you can for a running gun team. So, j is there anything outside of those two whether it's a you know what what kind of stats are you are you do you really look at when you look at this Alabama team and be like if we can do this we're all but guaranteed a national championship if you can do this consistently every game yeah you know I was thinking like forty percent was being really optimistic I mean you're giving one team forty percent you're giving the other sixty four that are sixty three that are left sixty percent I mean that's a, a pretty good odds for me but no listen they they is. Kind of just what you mentioned, man. Like they shoot the three balls so much, they have 
so many possessions. Like those are the two factors that Nate Oates looks at, you know. Um, but really, to me, they have been so good on rebounding. Like they limit, especially. I mean, do they? Don't give up a lot of second chance opportunities. Like if they stay solid on, I mean, it's classic. If you stay solid on the boards, don't turn it over, and you shoot forty four percent from the field, you're going to win a lot of games. Right? Yeah. Yeah, we get it. But they they rebound so well, and they 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 dominate teams on the glass. Like that's just such a big one for them. And to me, just the way Nate Oates coaches, like he's not going to put somebody who didn't play well for the first thirty two minutes on the floor for the final eight. So I'm not really sure. What I would change from what you threw out there, but you know, damn, my dog's going crazy outside. But they, they just—I don't even know if it needs to be thirty-three. Like I would even say if they can, sh if they shoot twenty-eight to thirty percent and go under fifteen turnovers, they're going to be a really tough out throughout the duration. Of yeah, the sure. I think if you can, you can lower your three-point percentage as long as you're keeping your turnovers even lower than that 17 mark. Sure. Yeah, not, not, that's what I'm looking forward to. They're just so hard to beat, and they're just so versatile. The way they attack the rim, teams are going to have a hard time stopping. They, if we don't shoot the three ball well, we'll adjust. So just looking forward to it. All right. Last question I have for you guys. I want both your opinions. If you had the same players, that's fine. But I want to ask a personnel question. You have to pick two players. You can't say, let's say, we'll just go Brandon. Outside of Brandon, which two players are the biggest keys, in your opinion? It can be any position, of course. Which two players, Lester, we'll start with you, do you think that Alabama has to have in order to make a deep run in this NCAA tournament? Two players. Y'all know me. I love the big guys. Give me Clowney with his outside threat, his three-point shooting, his rebounding, his overall athleticism, and give me Charles Bediaco <laughs> to anchor down the center of the court. Look, hey, if Charles can go out there and give us 12, 15, and didn't he have, what, four or five blocks in the SC Championship game? Oh, man, yeah. Dude, look, hey, if you can give us that, buddy, it might be a cakewalk to the natty. That's it. 12 points, give us 13, 14 rebounds, and what, four, five, six blocks? Buddy, I'm telling you, look, hey, Clowney from three, if he can just get hot, if he can just, if he can just be an extra guy to pull their center out of the paint, uh, extra guy that there may be a mismatch on. Hey, because you know Clowney, he's going to bring the energy. He's going to be the athleticism. He's going to be the rebounding. But if he can shoot that dang ball and put it through the dang net, I think that opens up everything for everybody else. It makes it just that much easier. I'm going to go opposite of you, Lester. I'm going to go with two guards. And, J-Law, I might steal a little, a little bit of your thunder here, but you kind of know what I'm going to say. I've got to go with Mark Sears and Jaden Bradley. And it goes back to what I was saying about the three-point percentage and the turnovers. Sears is going to shoot that bitch. It don't matter if he is 0 for 9 or 8 for 10. He is going to fire away. And so with his volume of shots that he is going to put up, if he can shoot 
just 30%, I would be fine with it. You know, on the year, I think he's about a 35% three-point shooter. He was white hot to start conference play. Really went cold the last week and a half, two weeks of the season, including the tournament. Um, but still, remember, I sent y'all his numbers. I was like, look, he's one for eight, one for nine, one over seven. He is going to shoot it. And, uh, and and he is bound and determined to shoot himself out of this slump. So if he can find something over this rest period, that, that I think that's going to be huge for Alabama and their success to take the pressure off of Brandon Miller. Lester, I do love what you said about Clowney and his ability to extend the range. And my other one's, you know, Jaden Bradley. And that's just because he's only playing about 21 minutes a game, so a little over half of the time. But when he is in there, everything seems to run through him. And he is the point guard of that second group, and he handles the ball so much. And it's almost like either he's going to have one turnover or seven, and there's really no in-between. And so he's really got to be in control of that second group offense, and he cannot play out of control in this tournament. He has got to keep it under three turnovers every game that he plays in. He's really got to take care of the basketball, not asking him to do too much on offense. Um, Don't take bad shots. Be a facilitator and really control that second group and don't turn the ball over on the fast break. I think that's huge for Alabama, and it's a bigger part than people realize. Jayla, who are two players? And, you know, like I said, if you if your answer is the same as, as me or Lester because we've covered four, that's fine. But who are the two the two players outside of Brandon Miller that Alabama has to have play at their best in order to make a deep tournament run? Yeah, I'm not even really sure it's Charles Bediaco just because I just think he's so consistent. Like, I don't – like, his best game was A&M, but his consistent game was Missouri and Mississippi State. He's going to give us seven to eight. He's going to give us 10 on the glass, and he's going to block two or three shots per game, start a fast break, grab those boards. Um, So, to me, yeah, number one is going to be Mark Sears. We know the guy. He's not going to stop shooting it. If Nados is going to run him out on the floor, the offense says, if you're open, fire away. And I just don't think he can stay as cold as he has been over the last few games for the through, through the duration of the tournament. The guy was so good for the first two and a half months of the year, just creating shots, creating opportunities for others. I mean, I just think that he has to heat up, and I think he will. I think we're going to see a little bit different Mark Sears. I don't even know about going clowny just because if when he stopped shooting the three as much as he did and he got down the paint – Got a little more physical. The game slowed down for him. Um, seemed pretty good. I won't go Jaden Bradley either, uh, although I do think he's going to log some minutes. I think it's Javon Quinterly. That's my guard that I'm looking for. I'll go Sears and Quinterly. Like JQ, we've because we've seen JQ at his best. We've also seen JQ at his worst, and I'm not sure. I'm not Ooh. even sure average Mm-mm. Javon Quinterly is going to get us where we need to go just based off of how pretty much average the rest of the guard play has been over the last month while JQ has been on a tear. So, you know, if JQ can do what we know he's capable of doing, I won't say average JQ, if I can get above average or really good Javon Quinterly down the stretch with, we know what we're going to get from Miller. You know what you're going to get from Chuck. You know what you're going to get from Clowney. If we can get that from JQ, man, Alabama's got a really good chance to reach a Final Four national championship game and then cut the nets down on that Monday night. Guys, y'all got anything else that you would like to discuss? Um, you know, hey, roll tide. <clears throat> We're exactly where we need to be. 
you know, hopefully Nate Oates can find some consistency in this. You know, of course, he's won the SEC championship two out of the last three, the double championship two out of the last three years, which is huge for the program. It's huge for recruiting. It's huge for everything. Um, booster money, NIL, whatever you want to, you know, whatever you want to say, whatever you want to call it. But is there anything else you guys want to discuss that maybe I didn't mention? Not that I can think of. Just, just, just appreciate it. I'm telling you, you don't never know how long it's going to last. Cause buddy, cause it's what 40 degrees outside right now. And I was talking about this too with somebody else the other day, like those long nights after a basketball game, win, lose, like my freshman college walking all the way from Coleman to Lakeside both ways, and it's freezing just for basketball because I loved it. And, man, it's just hard to believe that these guys are, like you said, the number one overall seed in the country. Like, you know how Alabama was the number one team in football? Well, that's Alabama basketball now. That is just unbelievable, man. So I'm just I'm just excited. I'm ready to enjoy and ready to watch these games tomorrow and uh, the rest of the tournament. What What is that saying that is always amongst Alabama fans? Like, oh, would you trade a – would you trade a football natty to win one in basketball or something like that? And <laughs> yeah. I've always said no, but maybe that's what we get. You know, Bryce Young yeah. goes two years as a starter, yeah. doesn't win a national championship. Well, I guess if we get one in basketball, will it will it be okay? No, never. But- <laughs> yeah, guys, look, if we win this one, I've never said that I would trade one just because – not that I wouldn't trade one, but you just – Come on, we didn't even think this was realistic. You know what I'm saying? Every Possible. time you've ever said yeah. that, you, it's been tongue-in-cheek. Like, yeah, I'd yeah. trade one, thinking that we never had a chance. Well, I don't know. This feels pretty damn exciting. Not everybody's like us, though, who even pre-Nate Oates or pre-Colin Sexton, like, has followed hoops. I mean, I remember being a kid with season tickets, going up there and getting our eyes beat in by people. So just to be able to be at this level and have a chance to do it, I think – not that I would trade it, but it would. I think it would bring me just as equal amount of happiness and joy to cut down those nets as it would be to, you know, win another football natty. Yeah, and now that the natty has already happened, we had to go through the the horror of watching Georgia win another one. It's back to back national champs, and you know, now that that's kind of died out, and we're getting closer to spring football. You know, you're like, yeah, I guess. That'll be okay if I could have traded this last year's season, football season, for a, a basketball national championship. And, even, and with it's just all the eyes that have been on our program for since yes. the South Carolina game. It's kind of like, yeah. you know, like, look, if Brandon Miller did something wrong, dude, he's gonna, he'll go to jail for it. Like, I promise you. They've already sent two other guys to jail. Like, so just the constant beating that people have put on this program. Heck, they even tried to report today that another player was at the scene and then right. had no factual basis to even put it out there. It's like, it's not Alabama fans enjoying being the villain, but it is Alabama fans enjoying the fact that in the midst of all these Joe Goodmans and Mike Rodaks and Clay Travises just trying to absolutely destroy the program based off of nothing that they've been able to accomplish this. I think that's more of it than anything else. Just like, man to kind of go shove it in their face that that they did the right thing, they wanted it, they could win it all. Let me ask you this, J-Law. Lester, too, you can, you, you can chime in here. How much does the Alabama brand, and I know I texted Joe this, how much does the Alabama brand extrapolate the situation around Brandon Miller? And I understand that Brandon Miller being a lotto pick helps, too. 
you know, if he was some guy that averaged 15 minutes a game, even at Alabama, this wouldn't be a big deal. But if this was the big white guy from Purdue or, say, Drew Timmy, somebody like that, is this getting the national run that it has? No. I don't think so either. No, no, it's not. I think the no, Alabama was, brand yeah. because everybody everybody hates our football program. You know, Nick Saban has just ruined ruined football for the whole country, and so we've had such a long dynasty in that sport, and now we we come out of nowhere. We're number ranked number one in basketball. Uh, Bro, look at the Jalen Carter situation. Right. Look at that. Bingo. Who gets served a, a a warrant when he's at the NFL draft about to start? Interviews, all the information that came out about that, not one single thing from Carly Travis about it or any of the other. Now imagine look, that's Will Anderson. Exactly. Look, I will tell you this. Correct. Thank God for the for the Atlanta Journal Constitution for doing their own research. Georgia, Athens PD, the other football players, Jalen Carter, everybody else at that scene covered up the damn crime. And thankful for real journalism from the AJC to do their own digging, their own story, got down to the bottom of it, and blew it up. Because you know what the bullshit part about it is? Athens PD wasn't even going to do anything to the guy. They sent the warrant for him after the AJC article was released. What does that tell you? Thank thank God for real journalism is out there. And also... Whatever you want to think about or say about ESPN, kudos to those guys. They did a comprehensive, deep dive, in-depth article about the entire Brandon Miller situation and laid it all out there. The guy did nothing wrong. So it, well, it just depends on how much they hate you. The media hates Alabama, and this is what we get. It's not, but it's not, it's not even real media. Like those are those are four clicks, and here's your issue. That's how people get paid now, it's based off clicks. But the and the brand Carol of Alabama, Robinson, the original bitch who wrote the article in the first place, <laughs> right? Yeah. It's her fault, literally. Please well, finish. and also people were just like reading stuff, and they were confusing Miles Miller and then Darius Miles' friend name is yeah. Miles Davis. And by that time, like so many rumors got out there yep. that it just turned into Brandon Miller handed a gun to Darius Miles, and Darius yep. Miles killed him. No, Brandon Miller had somebody's gun legally in his car. Some, however, if he knew, here's my thing. Number one, if one of y'all texts me that you that y'all need your heater, I mean, how many dude, how many times that I drove, Lester, you rode with me a million times. How many times is my pistol in my car? Every time, <laughs> every damn time, it's in there right now. Somebody could come to my house right now. The pistol, the the heat, the the heat's in there, buddy. And so. I mean, you just got to – it's just like just trying to grill a guy because there's a gun. Number one, is not illegal. Number two, they've done comprehensive research on it. Dude, he did, they don't have anything to charge him with. It's not illegal to have a gun on the strip. It's not, not, it's not on campus. So, and Brandon – I mean, that's what I'm saying. Like, there's a lot going on here that they've just tried to kill, kill the guy over. When – if when we went to Alabama, guys, how many times do we say – Damn, UAPD got us again. They're out to get us. I mean, it isn't like UAPD is trying to cover up any Alabama athletes' crime. Who's the guy I mean, that never – who's the D lineman, J-Law, that never played a snap because of the, the domestic violence stuff? Girl, lie on him. Lie. Jonathan Taylor, wasn't it? Yes. I don't know. I don't remember. Is that his Taylor name? Jonathan Taylor. Name? That's his name. Yeah, like 
his, girl, his girlfriend was like, mad. But yeah. Yeah. So like that's the thing. Like Brandon Miller, they don't have anything to charge him with, and they've made up a bunch of false rumors. Now they're still running with them about it. About Brandon Miller. Listen, if something comes out where Brandon Miller did something, they'll charge him with the crime. I promise you, it's UAPD. They're but, gonna do their thing. Yeah. Talk. This is Alabama. If you are a football player, if you look like a football player, look, TPD knows who you are. I promise you they are right. waiting to bust your ass. They pop Pete, they pop Pete Golding. Yeah. Our <laughs> defensive coordinator. Yeah. Look, I pro- guys, look, this is Alabama. He's black. I promise you, if they can throw his ass in jail for anything, but- they will do it. If anybody our defense, else, our, our DA is an Auburn grad. They could have nailed. They would have nailed Brandon to the cross that they could have people. But I guys, promise. how many people fully like? If anybody else would have fully cooperated, if yeah. the Kai Ziegler for Tennessee was in a situation and he fully gave over everything, Clay Travis would write twenty five articles a day about how good of a citizen Ziegler is. But he gave up his dash cam. He he gave up his phone willingly. They didn't even need warrants for it. He gave it all away. Gave his sworn testimony of everything that happened. Got testimony from other people saying that he was never even around the altercation. Bro, I mean, come on. It's it's funny. All these back to blue cops can do them wrong. Put all your faith in the justice system. I guess all that is out the window now. Not that this situation is dealing with Alabama and their best basketball player. Damn the police, damn the DA. No, I know what's right. I know what's wrong. Put that guy in jail. No, absolutely not. That's People, right. yeah. you feel it. Feel but the, it. My, my point is, it's not even all of that. It's they don't have anything to charge him with, and they just want him gone no matter what. And yep. that they just not that not that the Brendan Miller. I don't. A lot of it sounds bad. You know, he could say he read the text messages or what, but just everything around it and how well the team is still played. And try to try to stay together while they've been trying to kill this guy. And if there was something to kill him for, they would have already gotten him. He thought he would not be playing. So um, I don't know. It's just a bit big messed up situation. They listen, they could come back and find something to charge Brandon Miller with. And if he did something wrong, knowingly did something wrong, I mean, I think we would all agree that, you know, uh, a younger yeah. I mean, things went downhill. So I mean the thing uh, is this is so cut and dry. I mean yeah. This is there's cameras everywhere. There's there's ring doorbell video. This is so cut and dry. There's text message exchanges. I mean, well, for Clay Travis, so for people like for like Republicans like Clay Travis to act like if his best friend texted him that he needed a gun, like he wouldn't bring it to him. Like if my best friend's like, dude, I need my protection. I mean, just saying, if one of y'all were to text me right now, it might be on the way, but. That's not even here nor there with the Brandon Miller situation is that there's nothing to get him for. Dude, he's having to have armed security. Brandon Miller has to have armed security because he's getting death threats. That's crazy. I'm telling you. I mean, you. it's insane. And thing is, like, it's, even, it's not like he was it's not like he was chilling at his apartment and Darius said that's what a lot of people don't understand. Exactly. It's not like he was chilling at his house or his apartment. And Darius said, Hey, bring me my gun. I need to go kill this guy. And then he was like, Okay, be there in 10. No, he was already on the way back because he didn't want to wait at the line at Rounders or wherever they were. He didn't, he didn't, he's not, he didn't want to wait in line. So he, him and Bradley leave, go somewhere else, and then that's when the altercation happens between Miles and, and the girl or whoever. And then he is on the way back to pick him up anyway because he is Miles's ride. He's Darius's ride. And so he's on the way back. He's a couple of minutes away anyway. And then Miles texts him. 
So he was already en route. He had no idea what, what had happened or what was about to go down. He was already going there anyway. So that's what a lot of people don't understand. He wasn't just asleep at his house and he gets a call. Hey, bring me my gun. This dude's talking trash. I'm going to go, or this girl's, I tried to pick up this girl. She said no, so I'm going to go kill her. Uh, that's not what happened. And people just don't. And if it was, Brandon Miller would be in jail. Absolutely. He should be. If that was the case, he should be. But it's yeah. not. Right. And, and so, I mean, yeah, I think we're all in agreement on that. And if they were able, if they're able to prove that that's what happened, or if he had any inkling of it, you know, let the justice system take over again about the situation. But I was just tired of like kind of reading stories from Mike Rodak and Joe Goodman and Dan Wolken about it. And like, they're still reporting on things that aren't true and that have been pushed out there. Like, dude, that's not what happened. And yep. then for him to go in our press conference and ask the questions that he did to Quinterly and Brandon Miller, it's just absolute trash. How that dude Garbage. still has media Garbage. access is, is, is an absolute but What does it matter if Javon Quinterly lives in Alabama and he owns a gun? Dude, it's He knows not exactly what he's doing. He, he's oh, just, I know. He's just doing that to be a dickhead because the, the press conference before, nobody called on him. So he's going to be I, just – sorry, J-Lo. The media is just – Mm. Oh, dude. Well, we're not. I'm not really in it. Yeah, but, but I mean, golly. I know you like asked the Miles on question, but that was classic. That was, yeah, that was on me as a young <laughs> guy. But, but no, so it's like, why? Like, Joe Goodman's like running around just asking young black kids if they own guns. I own one. Chase owns one. Everybody I know yeah, owns one. They just sit there. I mean, well, I got about 14. <laughs> but <laughs> I mean, it's not illegal to have them. No. It's just been crazy. It's just been a crazy thing. That and that's why, like from the from the information we have, it's Brandon Miller didn't do anything wrong to be charged with a crime with. So, like, I'm not going to stop rooting for Alabama because Joe Goodman and Dan Wolken tell me to. Just not going to do it. Right, right. I mean, hey, he's a legal law-abiding citizen in Alabama with the same rights as everybody else. I mean. What are you going to do? You can't suspend the guy because, you know, the original pivot was, well, the university should have done something, conduct, detriment, whatever. That's like, the biggest what bullshit. You, do? <laughs> you pivoted because your original point was garbage, and now you think he should be punished just because he was there? Nados was right. He was in the wrong place at the wrong time. He was. And you know what? <laughs> if you read that article that ESPN wrote was really comprehensive about it and everything, I kind of feel bad for Darius Miles a little bit because that friend never should have been down here in the first place. Look, you want to help out your buddies that you meet along the way. Hey, some people need to stay their ass at the house for a reason. Like, bro, you're all the way down here in Alabama. Leave the cup buddies at the crib, bro. Like, this ain't it. So, hey, this is an unfortunate situation. They're probably going to get the death penalty. Um, Alabama just reinstated the electric chair, I believe I read a couple weeks ago. So, I don't know. But, hey, kid situation all around. Roll tide, let's go get a natty. And hey, hopefully Brandon Miller leads us to there. We're about to boat race these boys. Yeah, let's but, do it. I don't feel bad for Darius Miles or Miles Davis, but I <laughs> I do I do I do somewhat feel for kind of just the other guys that are getting thrown under the bus because I know for yeah. a fact the two of us, yeah. the three of us I mean, and multiple other people I've been with have been very close to a crime, witnessed a crime, seen a crime. Um and sometimes, dude, you're just I mean, like, I, it, it's happened to all three of us at one time. So, I mean, it just kind of is what it is. So, you know, we're see if we can win this tournament. Hopefully we can. And, you know, 
it's going to be rooting for Alabama the same way that I have been all year. Yep. Stay together, boys. Don't let anything come between y'all. Y'all keep it up. Brandon, if you're listening to this, I love you. You didn't do anything wrong. But, uh, yeah. Well, guys, that's episode 81, Gump Runners Podcast. Um, Once again, don't can't really promise next time we'll be on here. Might be next week, might be in three weeks, might be whenever Alabama gets put out of the tournament. I have no idea. Uh, three busy guys here. But um, we'll promise to get back as soon as we can. Until then, uh, it's Chase Thornton, Lester Mitchell, Jeremy Law. We'll see you guys.